When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. Do you know, I am outwardly killing it. I have a great career. I'm doing the thing that I love. I'm married to someone whom I adore. I have one, two, three beautiful children and a bunch of fucking dogs. And people say to me, how do you do it, Catherine? How do you manage to have it all? What is your advice? Should I have kids? When should I have kids? Should I settle down with the guy I'm with now? Should I wait until I feel that passion that you felt and I'm madly in love with like my person? How should I live out the rest of my 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond? And I feel like my advice at this moment in time is don't have kids at all unless you're prepared to spend the rest of your life trying not to cry. Once you are the mother, you will never have enough time to please everyone. You will start to slip at work. Your kids will not be appreciative of what you do. You can't divide your time equally between them. Do you know what Violet said to me? Violet, the teenager who, you know, contributes charm and humor alone to this household uh I said I have to do my podcast today it's already late and she goes well I want to take the kids out I want to go out into the city and you can go and and Fred can come and Fana and we'll do that and I said no do you know what it's about to be Easter holiday I have the babysitter today I need to take some time in the morning by myself and do the podcast and she said can't you just do it while you're pushing the pram She wants me to walk down a busy high street with headphones and a little microphone with Fena in a papoose, Fred in the buggy, Violet next to me, cars, dogs, pedestrians, whatever. She would like me to take three children out into the busy city and focus enough in a noisy setting to create the podcast that pays for her school. And I just said... Do you know, nobody respects my work in this house. It's actually insane. The amount that I try to do, that I want to do, that I have to do. I'm never doing it right. I'm never spending enough time on my projects or enough time with my kids. My manager in LA is trying to set up a catch up with me. And I am sure it is to end our relationship. Because the last time I went out to LA, it just, it wasn't for me. I was like, ew, like most of the people here are mentally ill and I don't mean that in the traditional clinical sense of mental illness I mean like they've got their priorities all mixed up 
No one there is happy. Lars didn't want to be there. And I love my work and I'm very grateful. And I need to find a way to like Stacy Solomon in this career where I really interweave my kids and my work and my relationship with the people who listen to me, both of you who are left listening to this podcast and coming to see me on tour. <laughs> I love what I do, but like everyone expects me to just do it with no prep, nothing. Like no time, I'm, I'll just have the baby on your knee and do this and then Sometimes Bobby's like, oh, well, why don't you just give someone the baby? Well, that's, yeah, I get that. That's difficult to do as well. Give someone the baby. Like who? <laughs> I don't know. And then you'll have so much, like, stress from trying not to cry that you end up just on the verge of snapping at people. And then everyone goes, well, what's wrong with mom? Oh, I don't know. And the best thing to do is just smile, like, just, all right. Like, it's just accept, just accept that you're better than everyone. And then don't hold anyone else to your standards of excellence. Just be like, all right, I'm the mom. I just have to get on with it. Just get on with it. That's what I'm doing this week. I tried to do the podcast. You will notice if you're watching a clip, and I don't release the full podcast uh, if you're listening. I do release clips on my social media now and then to try to remind people what, you know, you will look like entering your 40th year if you use SPF. I am not in the podcast studio that I paid tens of thousands, yep, of pounds for. And I post that on socials and people think I got it for free. It's a, it's a, I don't want things for free because I am a patron of the arts. I'm a supporter of small businesses. Sometimes we do get little discounts like, oh, I'd appreciate if you put this on social media. Sometimes I get like a 10% discount here and there. I got a small discount, yes, for posting the wonderful podcast studio slash gym slash sauna slash man cave that I have. But I can't even get in it. The key sticks. It's a tricky door. And every time I go out there, I struggle. But today I'm alone. Bobby took Fred and Violet to the airport. I have our wonderful babysitter, Miriam, watching Fana downstairs. And I couldn't get in. And it's muddy out there. Don't even get me started on Bobby's whole grass situation. Bobby really cares about the state of the lawn and he is like a real what's the word keeping up with the joneses i don't even understand what that reference means but i know that it means you're jealous of your neighbors he's always curtain twitching looking at the neighbor's grass and being like why is my grass so wet what's happened and he's investigated it a thousand times and i appreciate that he's so passionate about the lawn but currently in england like nice try it's just really muddy so i'm squelching out to the podcast studio and I've got this fucking key and I've got my light and I've got my microphone, I've got my laptop and I've got my glass of orange juice and my phone and I'm like not able to turn that key. It's just stuck. And I just thought, oh my God, I have a, such a small time to speak to you and come on and do this and I'm fucking locked out and I was wearing my little gay Uggs. You probably have seen them on my Instagram. They're like, they're not Uggs. They're these wonderful Portuguese brand um, Almeida Marquesa or something and they have uh, adornments on them and they look like Ugg slippers but with all these baubles they're really amazing those are covered in mud I just sat out there like a loser I mean like what am I doing with my life so to answer your question yes have kids you'll be existentially rewarded I love my kids so much so much though that I can't even watch films like Oh, Bobby put on this Netflix movie. I think it's from 2013. It's not a new movie. It's called The Prisoners. 
He's like, let's watch this. And bless him. Like, I'm trying to spend time with my husband. Like, I want to spend time with everyone and go to work and have time for myself. And I was like, oh, like sometimes at night while I'm holding Fena, I'm like, all right, everyone's asleep. We have like 40 minutes before we crash. Let's watch something. And we already watched the new episode of Succession. There's really nothing else for us to watch right now. We're caught up on everything. And he's like, how about Prisoners on Netflix? And I was like, yes, man, who knows me better than anyone else in the world. Okay, best friend, let's put on Prisoners. What is it about? It is about two little girls. Spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you the whole plot of the movie now. So if you're looking to watch Prisoners with your significant other, fast forward about 45 seconds. Two little girls are kidnapped. And it's about the dad played by Hugh Jackman. We have the same dermatologist. He goes looking for them. The mom does nothing, by the way. And no one points out that she's the villain in this. She's just laying in bed on a bunch of drugs. I get it. She's traumatized. I'd be traumatized as well. But you get the fuck up and you go look for your daughter. She doesn't. She's like, why aren't you bringing her home? And it's like, men need to stop making movies altogether, I feel like. No woman would ever make this film. It's like, what is with all the suffering? Like, everyone in this movie was suffering. And the man was expected to fix it all. Keller, that's the dad, played by Hugh Jackman. He's like, I gotta find my daughter. So he turns to, like, vigilanteism. Jake Gyllenhaal is the detective, but the dad doesn't feel like the detective's doing a good enough job. It's real, like, alpha, like, chest beating. Like, you better find my daughter. You don't go looking for your daughter. I'm gonna find your daughter. Well, she's not waiting for you to find her, is she? She's waiting for me. Like, all this... And then the mom is like us. God. She's just laying in bed like, bring my daughter home. It's like, God, what? No woman is going to be laying in bed on a ton of drugs. I get that she's traumatized. Yes, but like, you go out and you find your daughter too. Where's that film? Urgh. So all this shit happens. And then the dad starts torturing this boy that I know is a victim. I'm like, this guy is not a suspect. This guy's a victim. I can feel it in my heart. And even so, like, even if he did the kidnapping, which I knew he didn't, I was like, he doesn't deserve to be, what is with this torture? What is with, like, every man thinking that they're capable of, like, building and being the manager of, a like, a one-dude Guantanamo Bay? It's f so stupid, men's movies. I hate them. So I watched this movie. I'm like, oh, good. All the things I'm most terrified of on Earth. Super. And I'm watching it and I'm watching it. And Bobby's like, oh, we got to find out what happened. We got to get to the end. It's like, no, thanks. Everyone is sad. Everyone's suffering. Everyone's getting hurt. Everyone's violent. I hated the film. And then like, so I went to bed, like almost a little bit angry. I was like, do you know what? I can't do this. Like my hair is falling out. I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to bed. And, uh, you know, good luck with your film. And then I went to bed and had nightmares. The next day I went to work. A lot of wonderful people were there, but I still felt the tremors of the night before. I missed my family while I was at work. I thought, oh, I'm not with the kids today. I don't know if I'm going to make it home for bedtime. I did make it home. And then when I make it home, I really miss Bobby too. And I'm like, okay, everyone's in bed. Let's put on the movie that you want to watch. Because I feel like we watched the first half. That was the most triggering, traumatic bit. Now it's going to be on the upswing. Let's finish watching The Prisoners. And it wasn't on the upswing for a while. Let me tell you, there was still more like gorish, gruesome, like awful stuff that a woman would never write. And then, yes, it ended up well. And spoiler, the two girls are OK. They're alive in the end. But still, I mean, it doesn't make it any less of a really horrific film. 
zero stars. I hate that movie. Like, I don't know what it, probably people love this movie because men decide and men are like, yeah, that's the dad that I would be. I would go out and find my child. It's like, statistically, you wouldn't. So deal with that reality. And now your wife's having nightmares for a month. Now I'm going to have nightmares for a month. Even though it ended well, like, mm, it was so, so scary. And then at the end, of course, it comes up, executive produced by Mark Wahlberg. Oh, of course it was, because Bobby is obsessed with Mark Wahlberg at the minute. Not obsessed. It's not an obsession. It's more of a, like, Bobby idolizes Mark Wahlberg, because I think that he's 50, and he's on this regimen. I don't know if any of your husbands are talking about Mark Wahlberg at home. Basically, he wakes up at 4 a.m., and he does a workout immediately. And then he goes golfing and he plays 18 holes of golf as soon as the sun rises. So like six. I guess he works out for like an hour and a half and has a power shake and then golfs. He has a golf course in his own home, like on his property. There is a golf course. He comes in from golfing and he has another workout. And then he has a nap and then he has lunch and then he spends time with his family. And Bobby's like, this is the way that you got to do it. This is, I got to do the Mark Wahlberg thing. So now Bobby has started working out and not eating until like dinner time. He's trying to follow like a real world version of the Mark Wahlberg plan. There is no real world version of the Mark Wahlberg plan. The real world version of that is you're hungry all day, you don't spend time with anyone in the family, and then eventually when you do, you're in a bad mood, so you're yelling at them. And it's just not sustainable. And by the way, Mark Wahlberg is making like 40 million a film. So like real world dads, you're not doing the Mark Wahlberg plan. No, I forbid it. Bobby's like, yeah, but look at Mark Wahlberg. And he's always showing me clips of Mark Wahlberg. Oh, look how cool Mark Wahlberg is throwing out the first pitch at this game. Oh, look. Mark Wahlberg is in like Minnesota doing something cool. Oh, look, he's got a tequila brand, but he doesn't drink. Not Mark Wahlberg. He waits until special occasions. Mark Wahlberg. That. Oh, Mark Wahlberg that. I don't, I feel like it is my life's ambition to make Mark Wahlberg fat. Mark Wahlberg needs to get into the dad bod culture and just enjoy his life. Like this is what I'm looking for. I just want to enjoy my life, to have a good balance with my kids, with my work, with my spouse. I want us to always feed back into our good, happy relationship because it needs nurturing like any relationship. I want us to go out and have wine. I want us to go out and have dinner. I don't want a husband who golfs 36 holes of golf and works out four hours a day on zero calories and then comes in the house stomping around shouting at everyone. I'm not saying Bobby does that. I'm saying if he followed the Mark Wahlberg plan, he absolutely would do that. But Mark Wahlberg like pays people to, I don't know what happens, like give him a Valium before he talks to his wife. He's got buffers so that he's not a complete asshole to his family. You can't live like that and not be a complete asshole to your family. And who cares? Like this is Bobby's curse, I think, is that Bobby looks at Mark Wahlberg's body and that almost is Bobby's body. So he's like, well, I can have that body. And it is within reach for him. Whereas I don't wake up in the morning and look at Al McPherson or like Elizabeth Hurley and be like, oh, that's almost my body. Maybe if I just cut back on 
you know, the avocados, then I too could be, oh, what does Liz Hurley do every day? Well, she wakes up and she has a facial and then she goes swimming and then she admires her tits in the mirror and does a social media post. And but no, like I don't aspire to that body because it is so far out of my reach. And I know that when I'm saying that, there are a lot of people who would love to have my body. Like my body is a pretty good body. And certainly when I was young, it was basically a perfect body, but it wasn't like a model's body. Do you know what I mean? Like I never had that echelon of like superstar Victoria's Secret model body, but Bobby did. And I feel does. But it's because it's because it's almost his 40th birthday. This is it. Mark Wahlberg, he radicalizes men the same as an Andrew Tate character, do you know, <laughs> but in a in a much nicer way. They see Mark Wahlberg and they go, yeah, I could do that because he's like a, a man of the people. He's a guy's guy. And every guy deep down is like, sure, I'd love to fuck everyone off and do 36 holes of golf and spend my day in the gym. Good luck getting in there. The key is stuck. It's meant to be my podcast studio is a gym that I cannot even enter. Explain that to HMRC. They'll be like, Catherine, I see you've written some of this, not all of it, some of this off as a podcast studio. Can you show us how you open the door? No, no, I can't. Um, we're at a very interesting point of life. I didn't really realize that by having two more children at this age, that in my family, someone is going to be teething while someone else is on their period. And I'm going to have a three-nager and a teenager. And I've just got the three most dangerous. I've got newborn, toddler, teenager. That's the holy trinity of like you know, moodiness. And overall, we're very peaceful and we're very happy. But <laughs> Violet is amazing how clever she is really that she'll spin things all the time because it used to be just the two of us. And we were very happy and, you know, we're still very happy, but now it's a different dynamic for sure. And she'll say to me, uh, I think 13 is old enough to drive a car. And Bobby will say, no, Violet, 13 is not old enough to drive a car. And I'll say, yeah, Bobby's right. And Violet will go, oh, well, there you go again. You always choose his side over mine. It's like, wait a minute. No, hang on. His side, Bobby's side is the side of the law. Like, that's not me being like, mm, I love my husband more than you. That's me being like, right, uh, people unanimously agree so much that it has been written into legislator that legislature, 13 year olds can't drive cars. Oh, there you go again, picking his side. I don't know what this season of life is all about. It has a lesson for me. I will tell you that I have never looked more like shit. I have never <laughs> so fulfilled, but also like on the edge of, I think it's a new, a new season for everyone in the creative industries. It's like, oh my gosh. All right. Where is this going? These TikTok stars are coming up and they're trying to put them on TV. But I saw a clip the other day where a bunch of YouTubers tried to recreate Countdown. And one of them, I'm not surprised, used quite an offensive, I mean, a very offensive racial slur, something that we don't say anymore. And that is the problem when you try to put these content creators on network television, they, they will always go and do something like that. It's actually something I've seen before and it's very dangerous. You need the pros. You need to keep the pros on television. But what's happening to television? All the young people are watching tablets and iPads and it's just like, 
I've chosen this time to turn 40 and have a bunch of kids. I just hope that all of you keep coming to see me on tour. I love this job. I love this job, but I need to embrace the like chrysalis that I am entering, the new stage of life. Embrace my inner Karen. I have not been discreet about where I live. I live way up as far north that you can live whilst still being in London, in Hertfordshire. If you want to be country, you call it Hertfordshire. If you're an estate agent, you call it London. In my neighborhood, they have just opened something called the Karen's Diner. It is the first Karen's Diner in the UK. They're like, it's in London. I mean, it's almost not in London. It's at the end of the Piccadilly line if you want to come. It's in Barnet, almost Hadley Wood, inside a hotel called the Hadley Hotel. And Violet pointed this out to me the other day because Karen's Diner is very popular on TikTok. They have American locations and people film the waitstaff and put it online. It's just blown up. It's gone super viral. What it is, is essentially like a 50s, 60s looking diner where the waitstaff are really, really rude to you. And by really, really rude, I mean super rude. Violet went in. Straight away, they burned her for having Crocs on. They called her a fucking idiot. They made her a hat that said waste of oxygen. She accidentally let her crayons roll off the table. And the guy was like, pick them up. Pick them up. There was an older woman in Karen Steiner. And they called her Fossil Flaps. They can basically say anything to you as long as it's not uh, ableist or racist or sexist. But I mean ageism appears to be fine. There was a little girl having a birthday party and they sang happy birthday, piss off. I mean, I thought on the first glance, oh, it'd be really fun to work at Karen Steiner. It's essentially not different to any British food establishment that I have ever frequented. Like I feel like all servers are rude in this country and that's your fault. You don't tip them. But Karen Steiner is a step above and it, they have packages like stay in the hotel and come to the spa and visit Karen Steiner. I think people are coming from all over to visit Karen Steiner. It's just so wild that it's in my neighborhood. It's down like a residential road. It is such a weird spot to put it. And I tried to look up like who owns it? Who has made this investment hoping that like it puts Hadley Wood on the map? Um, I'm not sure, but the hotel was like a real older guy's like, you know, there's a pub within the hotel right across from the diner that's got like arcade machines you know one of those type of like pensioner crashes um someone bought the hotel and refurbished it in 2019 and by hotel i use the word loosely like it's a very boutique hotel in a residential area it's one of those types of hotels that i don't really personally understand but they must have said like Oh, maybe whoever this investor was, you know, they had teenagers. The new owner was like, this Karen's Diner is going to be cool. It's going to be a feature within our hotel that will draw people to it. And I mean, they just opened in March. It's April 6th today. And Violet has been twice. She loves Karen Steiner. She's like, it's so funny. It's so cool. And maybe that generation, because everything is so taboo, it's like a place where People can actually insult each other. It's kind of like roast comedy. It's exactly like roast comedy. It is an arena where people give consent to be brutalized. And that's why I feel like roast comedy isn't mean because it is a demonstration of consent. It's everyone going, all right, let's be horrible. So they play games and they're really nasty and rude. 
Um, Violet asks for sauce. The guy's like, what sauce? She's like, ketchup, please. And he's like, all right, throws packets of ketchup at her. What else happened at this place? I mean, she just, I wasn't there. I dropped her off, but she found it so fun and so funny. And she said, I'm going to get a job there when I'm 16. And I thought, well, you will be really good at it, Violet. But it's actually so much work. It's so much work because it's real theater is what it is. And these kids, it's mostly kids who work there. They're like kind of the average age of the waitstaff I said was around 19, 20. They have to be on, like in character the whole time. They always have to be doing something. Uh, They hate vegans. There was a vegan table that they kept making fun of. Um, They have a lot of gluten-free options there. They have a beef brisket loaded fries there. They have wings. Like I was looking at the menu. I was like, Great, but my ultimate question comes back to why the fuck is this in Barnet? I just don't understand. Down a residential road. It is wild. It's wild. But if you want to come, if you want to come to my neighborhood and see this like one feature roast comedy mean diner that we have, if you have social media and you want to put it on TikTok, it goes viral. Every time Karen's Diner is on TikTok, people love it. They love it because we have squeezed culture to the point that you have to be so nice and so woke and so careful that people are just like yearning for a place that they can go to and be called the actual C word. They use the actual C word there. And I love that, you know, I use it in my life. I don't use it on the podcast for some reason. I just feel like distilled. If you just hear it, you'd be like, whoa, people don't want to hear it but you will hear it at Karen Steiner. Some people bring their parents and they don't tell their parents what the shtick is, like what the deal is about the insults. And the parents are like, whoa, well, I never. And it's like, yeah, I prefer that. I prefer going to an establishment where I know the wait staff are going to be rude than going anywhere else. Like the UK, like the fact that you don't even have people who come to the tables. It's like, you want something? Fuck you. Come to the bar. Tell us what it is. We'll get it to you in the next 20 to 25 minutes. <laughs> It's great. Really dine out on that. Monetize the rudeness. And it's such a good job for a teenager because they have the energy to keep it up too. And it's a great um, outlet, I suppose, for insults because you have to be so careful everywhere else. So if you want a job where you're basically acting, it's hard. I mean, I hope they get paid more than a usual server's wage because they are on, on, on. But they just get to be mean. Think about like slams all day long. I hope they're getting tipped properly. I hope they're getting paid. I didn't really look at the prices when Violet sent me the menu, but I very much would assume that it's highly inflated. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Fred, I think. Let's see if these wait staff are any match for Fred. <laughs> oh, Fred. People have asked about my appearance last Friday on Joe Lysett's new live Channel 4 show every Friday from 10 p.m. It's called Late Night Lysett. It truly is the type of television that we haven't seen since, I think, the Friday Night Project on Channel 4. They've brought back that element of, like, unpredictable, wild, crazy, lewd, crude, unhinged TV fronted by my good pal Joe. He asked me to be a guest on the first episode and I didn't actually make it on the show. Basically, this show is a love letter to Birmingham. It's really putting Birmingham on the map. And I will say candidly, yesterday I was with a reality star. I could hear what was being said because we just had a small wall between our dressing rooms and the reality star was with their manager and there had been an offer for this person to come on the Joe Lysett show one of the Fridays coming up, Late Night Lysett. 
And um, they said, oh, well, Birmingham's quite far. I don't really trust the driver to make it home at that time of night. It wraps at 11, 11.30. Like, can't we just stay in a hotel? And the manager was like, no, don't bother. Birmingham's shit. Like, there are no good hotels. Just let's drive back. And I thought, oh, how dare you? Late Night Lasset is putting Birmingham on the map for like the cultural hub that it is, the paradise that Birmingham is. I've often thought of moving to Birmingham because London's only an hour away if via the fast train and it's in the Midlands. So if you're on tour, it's easier for you to make it all over. Like London's very south. And those of us who live here, we think it's the center of the universe. It's pretty south if you're touring in Scotland and Aberdeen and everywhere else, Manchester, Liverpool. It's best to be in the middle lands, i.e. the Midlands. Birmingham has delicious food. And I will agree, I used to think Birmingham only had shit hotels as well until the reopening of the Grand. That's an incredible five-star hotel, but they also have new four-star, three-star hotels that you can stay in. And Birmingham's worth it. Like, we filmed All That Glitters there. All That Glitters, by the way, I'm not sure if this is officially being announced. I don't think it's coming back. <laughs> I'm probably not even allowed to tell you that. I just don't think so. It's not in my diary. So I can sort of inference from that that... All the Glitters is probably not coming back to BBC Two. If it is, they've hired someone else, not me. So people have said, Catherine, did Joe push the boat out on purpose? Um, his dressing room for Late Night Lysa is on a barge in the very famous Birmingham Canals. I don't know what they're called, but they are very famous. They have a name. Um, it became unhooked. I think that the final shot was supposed to be the barge floating away and someone from production, because it was live and because they use a lot of local crew, they just didn't know that I was still on the barge. They thought that the last guest had been on. So first it was Joanna Lemley and Alan Carr. Then it was Allison Hammond. And then it was meant to be me. But all of a sudden I could feel the dressing room like floating away. And I was like, oh God, I'm not getting off this barge. And there wasn't enough time to get it back because of the live element of the show. So I was a little bit annoyed. You know Joey's like a prankster. I thought, okay, maybe he's done this on purpose. But he's apologizing. He said, come back next week. So I get to be on the show again tomorrow. That's Friday, April 7th from 10 p.m. on Channel 4. This time I'm finally going to give my interview and announce an exciting new project. Um, yeah, so I have to go all the way back up to Birmingham. And you know I hate being away from my family, but it is worth it for my friend Joe. I'm so proud of him. He has invited Liz Truss to be on the show. So far, I don't think she's replied to his full-page ad that he took out inviting her. But maybe she'll be there too. It's also going to be Daisy Mae Cooper, Rylan, and someone else that I don't know. Dave? I don't remember. But, I mean, this time... Trust me, I'm making it off the barge. I'm doing my interview. So tune in for that. Let's hear from our sponsors now. And when we return, I will be reading your letters, giving you some advice, maybe. Maybe you'll be giving me advice. Who knows? If you would ever like to write me a letter, the address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, Joanne's Weekend Review, something that I have come to look forward to. If you don't know this, my sister Joanne curates the emails on telling everybody everything because we got hundreds and I couldn't the time you know I have to outsource some of these jobs so Joanne reads the emails and then she sends me what she thinks you will want to hear she picks out the best ones from the week Catherine there was quite <laughs> Catherine there's quite the outbreak of herpes emails well done Joanne tons of people wrote in thanking you for destigmatizing de- STIs in general and their thoughts on resources success stories and finding peace with herpes. Many alluded to your own autoimmune resolve to stay zen to avoid outbreaks, which seems to be key. It is true. Another constant theme in your emails is women over 35 longing for babies but feeling hesitant. The theme seems to be wrapped around age of the mothers themselves and the fear of having babies a bit older or the potential age gaps between siblings starting over in the baby world when you've seemingly achieved more freedom with over older children. Well, I serendipitously addressed this in the beginning of the episode. I don't feel like I'm struggling. This is the thing. I have all the resources. This is what I mean. I'm not really struggling, but the fact that I still feel like I'm coming up short, I'm not giving my husband enough attention. I'm not giving each one of my children enough attention. I'm not giving my work enough attention. I have all the resources. I am the like, 0.0001% of people who could just, I don't know what people do. I could just have help, but you get different kids. Someone said that to me. I said, yeah, you could just like pay someone else to raise them. And this person just very quietly and wisely said, yeah, but you get different kids. And it's true. And some of us don't have that choice. I do have that choice. Um, So maybe it's my abundance of privilege and choice that makes it extra hard on me. Maybe that's what it is. I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't stomach giving my kids to a caregiver because I don't have to go to work today. Like I, my mortgage is paid this month. I could stay home. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe it's simpler when you work in an office and you just have to go, but it's a different sort of heartbreak. I don't know. I used to live that life where I didn't have the luxuries that I do now. And it it was always hard for me to leave my kids. And then I also know some people that it's hard for them to stay home with their kids. They don't like it and they will go stir crazy. And for them, I feel like it's fine for them to get a babysitter, just like it's fine for me to hang out with my kids. There are a few women in particular in my life who keep reaching out to me. Do you want to do lunch? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And when I receive those texts, I almost feel like affronted. I almost feel like, why do you think that I want to have lunch with you and I want to be with my kids but I have to then step back and understand that normal people have lunch with each other so I don't know for all the droves of women that Joanne describes writing into the podcast age 35 longing well when she says longing for babies but feeling hesitant that like hesitancy I feel like 
is a more gentle word than the very heavy, impassioned longing. You have to decide now is the reality to either freeze your eggs, freeze embryos, or have kids now. And I mean, it is a net win. Do you know, if, if you don't want them, then fine, you don't want them. But if you want them, then you have to have them now. I'm sorry, but the, you can't like, you know, shit or get off the pot is not a great terminology for this, but it's like uh, biologically, you just have to have them now. I'm sorry. That's such like a grandma advice. You can freeze your eggs or have them now. That's all I have to tell you or decide that you don't want them. Okay. Catherine. Oh, so many herpes emails. Okay. Catherine, I'm a straight woman in my mid thirties and I've never had full on sex. I had a few good relationships in the past, but I hesitated to go for full on. That's uh, for different reasons. I either felt I was too young, too conservative, or the relationship ended before I was comfortable enough to do it. Now it's just too weird. Mainly guys expect sex very early in dating and I worry that I'm not ready early on. So maybe I never will be. I want a good relationship with sex included. How will I ever find a man that gives me enough time to get there? I know I like sex. I just feel that I need to trust and love someone to do it. Options so far. Okay, you've created yourself a list. Number one, force myself to have sex with a man just to get it over with. Don't do that. Option two, Go back to religion and marry a fellow virgin. I could tell that you are inherently religious. Number three, fall for an incarcerated man and have sex with him as soon as he gets out. That's the worst option of all. All of these are bad options, by the way. Force yourself to have sex with a man. You could go to jail for that. Um, Go back to religion and marry a fellow virgin. Look, you don't have to be a member of a community to find a person who shares your values if you're not comfortable being a member of that community. There must have been reasons that you left this religion that you speak of. So I wouldn't go back for the same reasons that you leave a job or you leave a town or you leave an ex. In most cases, there's no reason to go back. Religion, especially um, like a very serious religion that forbids you from having sex it sounds you know like quite high up on the list of like what's the word for that fanatical it sounds fanatical I wouldn't go back to any fanatical community at all (sighs) yeah I think it's good that most people will be weirded out by you being a virgin I'm not even going to address the prison option by the way no I think that throwing it away, not that virginity, like virginity is a construct that has been used to like shame and dehumanize women. And it's just, it's silly to place any importance on an intangible vehicle like that. Do you know what I mean? It's been used for so much harm. So like, what is virginity? It doesn't really exist. But to do something you're not comfortable with or to push yourself physically to make a connection like that with someone just to get it over with is absolutely the wrong thing. And so many of us do that when we're teenagers, just because, you know, my friend Tiff Stevenson has a really interesting story that when she was a teenager, all the girls were having sex. And they were like, oh my God, you haven't had sex yet? And she was like, oh, okay. So she had sex with her boyfriend. She had lukewarm feelings for him, but she's 16 years old. And she thought, well, I want to be the same as my friends. So then she went back and she told her friends, I did it. I had sex. And they were like, ew, you slag. And she was ostracized for that. And that's in, I think, 
two shows ago, Tiff Stevenson, but she's on tour again with a brand new show. She's an amazing comedian. If you can check her out, she talks a lot about serious issues, but makes it funny. Um, it wasn't funny the way I said it, but it is funny when she tells it. But the right person for you won't hold any judgment or like personal bias against your experience. You might meet someone who's not a virgin, but they've never had a serious relationship. Or you might meet someone who's like never traveled and doesn't have a passport. Or you might meet someone who's very privileged from like an aristocracy family. They've never had a job before. They've never had to struggle before. Like you could meet a whole breadth of different type of person who hasn't had an experience that you are very familiar with. So I would just look at sex as another one of those experiences. And you don't have to have sex right away. Like if you feel a connection with someone, you could come out the gate right away and say, oh, by the way, like, I hope you're not put off by this. I haven't had sex. I would watch out that some people would find that to be a kink. But hopefully you can weed those out from the person who's really meant to be with you. Because the right person won't mind. You know, you might meet someone who um, was adopted. You've never had that experience and they haven't had your experience. You might meet someone who like they've just come to the UK for the first time and they don't know anything. Like Bobby, when he first came to the UK, couldn't even understand what people were saying. We all have a different journey and the right person for you will not judge you for yours. So like definitely don't get it over with. Definitely don't get it over with. And like from a really weird like, old-fashioned perspective I think if you meet the right person and they find out that they're the only person you've had sex with they might actually get a kick out of that oh it takes away so much you know like admin jealousy you know they never have to be like oh it's my like I don't know if you like boys or girls but you know they'll never be like is my dick the biggest you know ever had not that, not that Bobby has ever said that to me, but there have been guys who care about stuff like that. It just cuts all of that out. Just be like, I don't know. I've only ever been with you, babe. Don't worry about it. Okay. Our mother has, quote, moved on from us. Catherine, I'm writing for your advice on my relationship with my mother. She was an extremely doting mom when we were young. She was unhappy in her marriage to my dad, and they split while I was a child. Through my teens, we were her everything. When my sister had her daughter, we were all still the center of my mother's universe, and she totally doted on my niece, too. Fast forward to a few years about 10 years ago, and my mom had a bit of an epiphany. She moved abroad and she met a new husband. Since that move, it's like she's had a personality transplant. She's gone from one extreme of her children and grandchildren being her entire universe to the other, where she is totally disinterested in our lives. I have three children. She's met my four-year-old a few times, my three-year-old once, and she has never met my one-year-old at all. These meetings have always been when we have flown to where she lives. We've asked her to fly back for a visit, but she declines, citing reasons like being scared of the British roads, finances, and practicality. But it's impossible for me to fly my family of five out to her more than we already do. When we see her, she acts like she's totally besotted with the children and like she's missed us madly. She loves declaring her love for us on Facebook, but when it comes down to it, other than the one week every year or two, we hear nothing from her. I'm always the one to call. <gasps> the more the years go by, the more upset the situation makes me and the harder I find our in-person meetups. So how can I understand her perspective more and not take this so personally? It honestly feels like she doesn't care about me or my kids. 
I don't know that you've had this conversation with her. You don't say that you've confronted her about it. And I think it's really un- like difficult for some people to separate their mother from also being a human being. And I think that your mother missed out on a lot of wonderful life experiences as a human being. It sounds like, you know, traveling or feeling freedom or being in love. Maybe she married your dad really young and he never showed her like any of the things or she never felt any of the emotions that she's feeling with her now husband. I don't know. He might be an asshole. He might be the really selfish one and being like, no, stay here with me and don't go visit your kids. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, it is very difficult to divide yourself, but you certainly need to find a way. I don't think you ever stop being a mother. You can still be a human being and be a mother. Um, It sounds like she's making up for lost time and maybe she's not even uh, realizing how hurtful that is to you because even though you're an adult, you will always be her child and your children are very much entitled to have a relationship with their grandmother. And I think that I would find a way to say that in a very non-judgmental way so that she doesn't get defensive. Um, I would fly there like you're planning on. I know it's expensive and you got to bring a family of five, but I would say wait till everyone's in bed. I don't know if you can get her away from her husband because, I mean, even I have girlfriends whose mom's new husbands are like hovering, you know, but try to get her away from her new husband and just be like, you know, I don't want you to feel attacked by this. I understand. Lay it out first that like, I understand you were unhappy with dad and I know how much you sacrificed for us. And I empathize that you devoted all of your youth to us really. And I think it's really fun that you're getting that back now. And I love to see you flourishing and thriving and I can see how happy you are. And that makes me glad. However, mom, and you're still my mom, I'm an adult and I need you less, but I still really need you in my life. And I need to know that you care about me and about the children. And I need to see that effort coming from you. I would love it if you called us. And I know that you're terrified of the British roads, but it would be great financially if you and your husband could fly to us sometimes rather than me dragging the kids, the three small children that I have on a three-hour flight. Um, It's hurtful to me that I don't hear from you as much. And and I love you. And maybe you needed to hear that from me. And I'm sorry if we, maybe somewhere you feel like we stole some of those years like dad did, you know, like, I'm sorry if we ever contributed to your unhappiness and maybe it's triggering for you. But if that's the case, maybe we could talk about that more or maybe you could talk to someone else about it because we still very much need you in our lives. I feel like having a gentle conversation like that, not blaming or like attacking her, just being like, I still need you, mom. Like, hopefully that will turn things around. I would have that conversation if it matters to you. I absolutely would have that conversation calmly and with lots of, you know, you get more bees with honey. So definitely lay out everything you understand about her situation. Like, I see that you're happy. I want you to be happy. I hope, you know, all the stuff that I said, say, listen to it a few times and then make your own little speech. Or if you feel like you can't do that, write it in a letter and Make sure that the letter's nice and stack it with compliments, but send her the letter. That's what I would do. Uh, Written down, not an email because she's old. Catherine, I hate my best friend's child. (laughs) Been there. Catherine, I love my best friend, 
That being said, I've reached a point where I do not want her eldest child around mine. He's a few years older than my kid, and he's always had problems. Things have gotten progressively worse, though, to the point that I feel this child is a danger to my family. He's um, A major concern is his lying and stealing. He breaks into kids' lockers, steals their valuables, valuables, and he steals money from anyone, including his own grandmother. During Christmas break, our kids were in camp together. This boy took my son to the bathroom where he punched the sharps container until it broke off the wall. He opened it out. He took a needle, made my son touch the needle, and then pocketed it. He threatened my son not to tell anyone, but luckily my son told me. Oh, my God. Two weeks ago, my friend found the needle under her baby's car seat base in the car. What? Despite the theft and the needle incident, he got a pocket knife and pellet gun for Christmas. He has a lot of anger. He lashes out at me and my dad if we're watching him or he's over to play. We ask him not to do something. He has stabbed himself in the leg, throws his sister around like a rag doll, destroyed property at his house and other people's. He's cut an extension cord in someone else's home, not knowing if it was plugged in or not. I took a step back from hanging out. And when we finally did hang out again, two minutes in, he told my son that I'm the tooth fairy. <laughs> No, my son is neurodiverse, so he copies a lot of people since he doesn't know how to act in social situations. So I'm terrified he'll start copying these dangerous behaviors. I feel for my friend. She has a lot of struggles. I couldn't imagine having to deal with all of this myself. However, my main priority is to my family and my son. So do I say something to my best friend about not wanting the boys to hang out anymore? I have no idea how to approach the situation. Our busy lives have kept us from hanging out as much as we used to, but come summer break, we'll have more time together. How can I protect my son and maintain my friendship? You can't. You can't. When you have kids, you lose all your friends who don't have kids, pretty much, unless they really want to hang out with you and your kids, which many of them don't in my experience. And also in my experience, when I had just Violet and some of my friends had multiple children, I stopped hanging out with them, not even because their children were bad, but just because I was like, this is a disturbance to us. Like, I can't. No one was as well behaved as Violet when she was young. So, like, I really didn't want to be around anyone's children. I witnessed a lot of bullshit at playdates, birthday parties, day trips where I was like, and Violet as far as I know, is not neurodiverse, but I'd still worry. I think you always worry that your child's going to copy another child's behavior. This boy is dangerous. I hope it's a phase, but I mean, I like not to dunk on your best friend, but if that was my best friend, I would have a hard time respecting her. Like, unless, you know, maybe he, this boy has other challenges that we're not aware of. And, you know, I have empathy for that. But if this is just a case of bad parenting, like you can choose to be the super nanny and to parent him in front of your friend, which I have also done. This one little girl was like kicking her dad and calling him an idiot when he came to pick her up. She stripped naked like a slippery seal and ran around my house and refused to go home with her dad. And he was like, oh, honey, honey, you know, like meek, like not standing up to this four year old. And I grabbed her and I was like, you don't call my friend an idiot. Daddy's my friend. Nobody calls my friend. Nobody kicks my friend. Nobody calls my friend that. And I told this girl, what's what? Like I stuck up for her dad in front of her as though he was my friend. Because that's like behavior that I would want to see the kids replicating. Like stick up for your friends. You don't stand there and let someone kick your friend. I'm not going to stand there and let some four-year-old kick my friend. This guy was not my friend, by the way. I don't like him at all. But he was her dad and 
you know, my, my peer from the school run. <laughs> um, you need to talk to your friend and just be like, look, my son's neurodiverse. So I understand what it's like to have, you know, to parent someone who has different challenges. Have you had your son like checked out? Does he have trouble understanding instructions? Does he know what's right from wrong? Do you tell him not to behave in these ways? Because he's old enough now, I think otherwise, to definitely know better. And I can't have him acting this way in front of my son. So what's going to have to happen now is I love you. I want you in my life. You and I are going to have to have our time without the children or your child's behavior is going to have to change. And that, you know, that does mean you will see her less. You might have like a texting friendship for a while. Um, but no, you can't, you, I'm sorry, I'm almost mad about it now. You can't have your son around this kid at all. So, oh, but my friendship, have this chat with her, see if you can salvage the friendship, but under no circumstances can you allow your children around this child? Sorry. Like you can empathize and be like, oh, I'm really sorry. You don't have to blame him. Maybe something's going on, but in the interim, you protect your son from that behavior. I would never have my children around this boy. And I would question my friendship with the mom. I'd be like, I can't be friends with a shitty parent. Or there's another challenge going on that we don't know about. That's how I would handle it. Catherine. Oh, this is nice. I'm also sucking off my older pub manager. Oh, no. Catherine, I'm a 21-year-old university student. And on term breaks, I go back to my hometown and I work in a pub full time. When at school, I'm happy, mentally stable, and a hardworking student. But when I head home to work full time at this pub, I slip into an awful mindset and keep getting involved with the 34 year old manager. We've slept together while he's had girlfriends on the go. And he's also a bad, frequent drunk. When I head back to uni, I always realize that I don't like this man. I only like the validation, but I keep slipping. We had a shift last week when it was just us closing and I ended up sucking him off in the pub behind the bar after all the customers had left. I don't know why I did it. He didn't pressure me into it, but I didn't enjoy it at the time or afterwards. Any advice? I genuinely don't think I have feelings for this man. I ended things originally, but please believe me when I say I don't give him a second thought during term time when I have all my friends around. But it's genuinely just that I look towards men for validation when I don't have my girl gang. Why is it making me this upset? Please advise. Oh, well, I didn't know you were upset till the end. So if you're sucking off your pub manager and it doesn't make you upset then that's fine. And I worry, I don't like that you're 21 and he's 34. The age gap with my manager was not that great. I don't think. Eh, almost. He's not pressuring you into it. Like, I, I mean, I'll start with the reason that I did it. I was sucking off my manager because I liked him. I did like him. And I'm really lucky that he didn't want a relationship with me because I think I probably wanted a relationship with him. Like I always wanted a relationship with everyone that I liked, but it just, there was something about it. Like work relationships are so difficult to explain, especially to people who don't work in the service industry. Like when you're bartending and you work in a pub and you're a waitress, like that is a whole new family, especially when it's so um, like distilled at summertime. Like you're not around, it's not your normal life. It's like a holiday. It's almost like a holiday romance. So you're there, you're working in the pub. You have such a close relationship working in that pub. The number of hours that you do, it's very intimate. So 
I think it feels like naughty. You're just like, well, I'm going to suck them off behind the bar. I don't know. Like, I think it's okay when you're 21 to do things that are a little bit naughty as long as there's consent all around and it's not causing you or anyone else pain. Um, if it is causing you pain, though, if it's making you upset, then you just need to remind yourself that like validation from a 34-year-old pub manager when you're a 21-year-old uni student is uh, false. It's not you know, it's, if it was one of your best girlfriends being like, the pub manager lets me suck him off. You wouldn't be like, wow, how'd you get him to agree to that? You know, you'd be like, what's going wrong in your life? It's not aspirational is what I mean. And when I'm honest about my experiences like that, I don't mean to say that they're aspirational, that you should definitely do it. It's just like the absence of shame. It's like, oh, it is what I did. Like, there you go. Make of that story what you will. I'm not ashamed of it. Equally, I don't advocate doing that. You've done it. I wouldn't feel ashamed if I were you. I'd just be like, yeah, sometimes when I'm in the pub, I get caught up in the whole like intimacy of that environment. And sometimes I suck off the manager. But if it's making me upset, then I need to really reflect and make a decision about not doing it anymore. There was a time when I stopped doing it and I felt fine about stopping. <laughs> um you got to stop doing it if it's making you upset. Anything that's not serving you, you thank it for its service and you let it go. You got to let this go. And if he brings it up again, if he's like, hey, I thought that we had this like situationship, just be like, yeah, it wasn't serving me properly, actually. So I'd rather us just be friends. And I'm sure he'll be fine with that because as you said, he was never pressuring you into it in the first place. Perfect. Well, that's all the time we have for today on another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. Thank you very much for being here. If you ever want to write me a letter, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. A few things I've got coming up in April. It's so exciting. We are going back home to Canada uh, the weekend of April 14th to 16th for BK's birthday. Um, it's going to be so much fun in Toronto. I've got a venue all booked and planned. If you are some type of cool like brand and you want to get involved in that send me a message we'll give you a little shout out during the party telling everybody everything at gmail.com when we return i'm going to be a guest on my good friend rob beckett and josh Whittacombe's podcast parenting hell but not just on the podcast they're doing a big live show at the o2 the o what i have done one live podcast what is going on if you listen do not go and listen to Parenting Hell. They have enough listeners. Listen to this podcast and this podcast alone. Um, I'm really excited to do that, or I was until I realized it was at the O2. What the? Congratulations, guys. How come a podcast called Parenting Hell gets so many listeners when I actually like being a parent? And I guess there are fewer people like me. Parenting Heaven. Who's listening to that? No one. Um, if you don't have my book yet, it is called The Audacity. You can get it in Kindle as an audiobook, as a hard copy, or a paperback. And I'm not on tour for a while, but if you want to see my last tour show, it's called Misses, and it's streaming on Sky and Now TV. I hope you have a good week. I hope you have a good Easter. Please look after each other, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. 
Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com